What's going on, guys? Thank you for tuning in to the John Papaloni Show. Today, we are interviewing Gabby Ayanello. She is the founder of Adulting Manual, a platform where people can learn the life lessons they weren't taught in school. She also has a uh, podcast called The Corporate Quitter. We're going to talk to her about it more. I'm going to uh, take the time now to bring her in to the podcast. Gabby, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thanks so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. So you seem young. You seem uh, <laughs> motivated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, what is the adulting manual? Sure. So you said it pretty great. Uh, it's basically the place where, you know, 20 somethings, they're just, you know, out of college or even later, you know, 2020. 728. Uh, you're in a career and you're not sure kind of like which pathway to go. You want to change things up. Uh, it's the place where you can find the life lessons you weren't taught in school. So anything from like, what's an investment? How do I get an investment? How do I start that journey? What? How do I budget? Uh, how do I change a tire? <laughs> like, how do I drill up a painting on a wall? How do I network? How do I apply for a job? Like all the basic things that we weren't taught in school that are really the fundamentals that will define whether you're successful or not in your life. Absolutely. Like, how did you come across this? Like, what, what was your inspiration? So it just came to me that I kept asking this. I kept saying like, oh, I wish I, I wish I learned this in school. Like every time I was out with friends, some silly thing would happen. And I would just be like, oh, I wish I, I wish I learned this in school. Like, why wasn't this taught in school? Why do I know trigonometry instead of like how to do my taxes? Right. So I'm also a teacher. So I, kind of have a background of educating people. And so after being in corporate for five to six years, when I left my job, it kind of all came together of like, okay, I have this idea of like, I keep saying, why didn't I learn this in school? I'm a teacher. I know how to teach. Oh, you know, putting the two together and all of my experiences in corporate is kind of how, kind of how it all started a couple months ago. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, I get it. You know what I mean? I find a lot of times, um, a lot of people get out of school, and and to be honest, I don't think the curriculum has uh, kept up with the times. Yeah, agreed. And I mean, yeah, it's a common thing that's uh, thought of there. And you know, I'm sure we'll catch up at some point. But in the meantime, you know, it's good to have resources out there that totally. can uh, take it to the next level. I mean, like reality is, let's face it, we go to school, we learn math, we learn like, oh, twelve plus twelve is twenty-four. Twelve times twelve is one hundred and forty-four. But uh, you know, that's fine and dandy. But how does that apply to the real world? I mean, yeah. these days, you know, let, let's face reality. I grew up in a time that you needed to know the multiplication table and it wasn't memorize, you know, to memorize. You need to know how to actually do it. Today, kids yeah. are learning to memorize what they need just enough to pass the test. And that's that at that point in time. But nowhere in any of these lessons are you taught why you need to know it and how it applies to life. Yep. Right. Yep. Like Abraham Lincoln was a president. Why? Who cares? Why do we need to know that? You know what I mean? I'm yeah. sure there is relevance and there's relevance to certain careers. But the point is, school will teach you what he who he is and what it was about, but it won't teach you how to apply it. Like, well, how is it relevant to you? And I think yeah. there should be more electives in, in school, right, where, where it's based on your direction, that you can learn more stuff on, on the career you want to do versus learning general stuff, right? It's always, you know, you can be exactly. master of, you know, of uh, – was a jack of all trades, master of none. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the way it sets up versus a uh, more defined and focused uh, role. But anyways, it, it is what it is. I mean, it's, I'm, <laughs> you, know, you know, it's good that you discovered that. I mean, like, did you, did you always feel off or was it sort of just after you've been in the corporate? Do you mean, do you mean that in like 
what the career I kind of found for myself wasn't working out. Is that what yeah. you mean by being off? Yeah. So I, I think around middle, like high school, maybe middle school, I started to realize that I wanted to do something on my own. Like it seemed more fun, but I never knew. I didn't have that gateway of like, this is what I'm going to do. And back then the internet wasn't like it is today. I had maybe like Facebook just came out, right? It was like super new. Now everyone has an iPhone and you have the internet at your fingertips, you know, so completely different world. So you know, over the couple of years of me being in corporate, I felt like I kept getting capped, whether it was how much money I can make, the flexibility I had in my schedule, um, the connections I had, the challenges I had, responsibilities, right? I get to a role and maybe I mastered it, but there was like nowhere for me to go. So I kept hitting caps and I was like, you know what? I might as well give it a shot of being my own business owner because I will never, ever be capped in how much money I can make, my creativity, nothing. It's the only glass ceiling, so to speak, is the one that I put on for myself, right? So yeah, if that answers your question, that's kind of what started it all. Is like I, I, after being in it for five or six years, and I job hopped aggressively, right? So I, you know, kind of did what I needed to do in that one place. Found my my glass ceiling, my cap, couldn't get through. Moved to a different place, but it gets exhausting job hopping after a while. And so I just wanted to create a different life for myself. So this is kind of where I ended up, which which is starting this. Absolutely. So it's fulfillment you were after. Yeah, definitely fulfillment impact is definitely a huge one. Um, but really just being able to kind of create my reality versus the world, my job, the people I was connected to, like creating it for me, if, if that makes sense. I wanted to play by my own rules, basically. Makes sense. I get that. Uh, yeah, that, I totally get that. Now, yeah, like you were saying, you got, you you know, how to network. I mean, I saw that uh, on your uh, website. Oh, you and did. Oh, I just posted that today. I'm so excited. You saw that. Yeah. Like, how did you come up with that? And like, how did you learn it? Like, how, like, how did you pick up all this stuff? Like, it, it, it's not like we wake up one day and said, Hey, I'm going to do this. And this is how I did it. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like you must have gone through some growing pains to learn everything. Oh, definitely. I, part of it was right. You just have to kind of hit the ground running. So it's funny. Um, I actually started my online business journey, like in a completely different direction. So I thought I was going to be the person to teach everyone how to be like an excellent house plant mom. Like that was the thing. Then I was like, okay, maybe I want to do like home organization. And so the adulting manual came, but even in the beginning of the adulting manual, great concept, but it goes back to like, what does your audience want? Right. Cause I think that they might want like how to, how to change your oil or like these basic things. But then when I actually was talking directly to my audience, like DMing or emailing people who fit in my target demographics, which are young 20 somethings, they were saying like, no, this is, these are the things that I want to learn. And so one of the things that came up was someone wanted to know genuinely how to network, right? Everyone says, build your network, right? But how, what is the basics? Where do you start? Like, you know, like, how do you even build genuine? What does it mean to be genuine, right? We're all networking. It's kind of cringy, but like, what does it mean to actually be of service and be genuine and actually be of interest in people? And like, what does that look like? So it, it goes with right trial by fire, like putting out a lot of content that like is not getting any reviews or no one's looking at, realizing that doesn't work. And then just literally asking people like, hey, this is what I plan. Do any of these topics sound good to you? If not, what are you looking for? Because then there's no guesswork, right? They're telling you exactly what they right. need. Absolutely. You're right. And that's the thing, even with networking, right? When you think of it, you think typically, okay, like you got to network. So what do you got to do? You got to get out there and you got to just start talking to random people. Mm -hmm. But I mean, as your article said, it's much more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, and that's the other thing, like even let's face today, I grew up in a generation that these were uh, meant for two people, <laughs> drug dealers and, and real big uh, business. 
right? And then if you, so the regular person didn't have it when I was young, right? So obviously that's become mainstream. But one thing I've noticed now, so the point I'm getting at where I'm going with this is that when I used to go out, people used to go and sit and they used to network with each other, talk to each other. It was almost like simple practice. If you're going out and you want to talk to your group and you're going to a restaurant, you'll go to sit in the dining. If you want to network, you go to the bar. Like it was almost like cold, yeah. right? It was just very simple. So if people are at the bar, they're there to socialize with each other. They're in their restaurant, you know, sitting at the table, leave them alone. You know, like it was just really <laughs> that simple. And it was, I found today things have gotten more complex, whether it's because of the technology, whether because we made it complex, you know, that the jury's still out on that. Yeah. I mean, is it more complex or do we just get more nervous? I um, think I'm it's gonna, way yeah. more. Oh, sorry. Was that a rhetorical question? No, 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 no. Hey, go ahead. <laughs> I, I honestly think a lot of things in life we make more complicated than they actually are because when it comes down to it, we're saying it's really complex to network with people, but it's only complex because you're thinking it's, Someone doesn't want to talk to you. It's fear. It's judgment. It's all these things. But realistically, you're just sending an email. You're just commenting on a post. You're just asking someone a question. It doesn't have to be this whole crazy thing. And nor do you have to make networking complex in general. Like some of the things I discussed on the post was like something that's super simple is just like literally asking someone for help. Like one of the ways that I got really far in my career when I was in corporate is I saw a group that I was interested in pursuing. It was in capital markets and treasury. I wanted to learn more about finance and kind of how investments worked. I was an assistant, so I had no background in it. I had nothing to offer other than the fact that I'm really good at note-taking, kind of like picking up the gold. Like I could I could spit out whatever they were saying in a nice format and give it to them. And so I, I asked them one day, like, hey, can I come in and take notes for you? Like, I'm really interested in learning this. I think it could be of value. Is this something that works for you? And they said, yeah, sure. Try. Let's try one time and see if it works. And it came to the point that every week they started adding me to these meetings and they were looking for me and they actually wouldn't start the meeting until I joined because they were so, they found me being so valuable for just offering to help. And so I, you know, I not only learned a lot, but I became an advocate. They advocated for me in my raises, in my promotions. I mean, I got in front of people that I never thought I would ever get in front of people who were like managing directors, like high level in a, in a, in a company. So just doing something like that, that's networking. You just gave some value to someone that's networking. Right. See, that's what I always say. Lead with value. Yes. Right. And, and I noticed even everything you're explaining and everything you're doing, not once did you mention income or revenue. It's all a bit, it's all been about value and what services you can provide and how you can help people. Yeah. And I think that's very, very important. I mean, people realize that like nobody wants to be sold to today. No. Right. Nope. I mean, how many times have you gotten an email when, you know, uh, and you look at the title and it sort of says, you know, I wanted to introduce yourself. And you, when you see that title, that, that subject, what's the first thing that comes to mind? What are you trying to sell me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. How many of those emails just go whoop, delete, gone. Yeah. Or you right? unsubscribe immediately because you're like, I don't want to be in your, I don't want to be in your chain of like, you're going to try to sell me eight times. It's not, exactly. not cool. I don't want that. <laughs> no one wants that. Exactly. And it's about providing value. And yes. I think that's what networking is. You don't just network yep. to meet people to handle business cards. Yeah. I mean, right? that was like, maybe the old way of doing things, right? You just keep, you want to fill up your pockets with, with business cards, but nowadays they, they barely use business cards. It's more of like, you know, it, it's very, I don't want to say it's informal because it's not, but like, again, to what you said, all about providing value. And it actually, you'll find the income comes as a result of providing value early on. And the, that's even with online business, being a business owner, the more value you provide, the more people find that you're 
um, approachable, credible, knowledgeable, you're an expert in the field. And then when the time comes to sell, they're like, oh my God, I got to get on this. This person knows her thing, you know, knows all about it. This person is great for the job, this person, you know, because you've already shown them that you're capable of doing X, Y, and Z. Easy enough. And that's exactly it, right? Network is, is equal. Your net worth is equal to your net worth. Yep. And your network represents, you know, like the, the value you provide. Right. It's, it's a chain. Yes. It's like a triangle that feeds each other. Yes. And, and, and that's what I firmly believe as well. So, yeah, I agree with you. And, and going even to what the business card says, I mean, I mean, I, I'm in real estate as well and uh, real estate, we have business cards, but you know how many business cards I give out these days? Probably a ton. Every time you go, oh wait, really? You don't give out that no, many? Wait, what little. about like I when you. More, more time putting business cards in houses because part of our uh, rules and regulations is that when we go into a house, we're supposed to leave a business card so that the homeowner knows who was in their house. Oh, that's a good idea. So I spend more time putting business cards in the homeowner's house than in people's house. Hmm. I mean, people's hands. So, and the reason is because, first of all, we have the internet, like you said, and people are networking with each other. The biggest source of clients today comes from referrals and from building trust. And usually build trust by the content you put out there. So a lot of times, by the time you meet with somebody, they've already known you. They've already, what's the point of getting a business card? They just want to put it in their phone. We have iPhones these days. We have Samsung. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. what do you do with a piece of paper? It goes on your desk. Then all of a sudden you have company. Oh my God, I got to clean up. <whistles> Into the garbage it goes. <laughs> then you try to uh, think about it and go, hmm, where's that card? You forget you threw yeah. it in the garbage because you had company. You don't want them to see the desk being messy. So then you lose the person. Next thing you know, you go back on Google and find somebody else. So what was the point of the business card? All right. And nobody just wants, and, and even right away, when you hand out a person a business card, right away, what's the first thing that comes to mind again? Ah, he's trying to sell me. Mm -hmm. Right. Now I got something different. I got a digital business card, but all it is is a little uh, domain. I send it to your phone by text. You click on it, said, add the contacts. I'm in your phone book. Don't need to worry about it there. No sales pitch, no implications. It's just, here's how you contact me. Right. Don't have to carry around a card. Now, some people will want the card. So I carry them. I'm not saying I don't ever give them out. But the point is, life is transforming. And it goes back to what you said. Give value, mm -hmm. and people will want to seek you out. People will rem remember or forget you based on the value they got. Definitely. So 100%, you're on point with the networking. And I love <laughs> it. Absolutely love it. Now, I also saw habit versus hustle. Explain that one. Wow, you really did your research. <laughs> so one of the things I've realized over the past few years is that we well, maybe it's it's not so apparent to people, but basically in America, I don't know how it is in Canada, it's probably very, very similar, but we are in a culture of hustle hard, right? You got to work to, I don't want to say you die, but basically work, work, work. Like, you know, we, we kind of put this working to the bone mentality on a pedestal, right? Like if I'm, work, you know, I work till 3 a.m. and I only slept two hours and like, then I get up and work again. Like what ends up happening is that we become burnt out. And when you become burnt out, you have to take major, major time to rest, as everyone knows. Or you can find yourself extremely sick. You find yourself resentment of your, like, resentful of your work because you're putting so much effort into that. And you're kind of neglecting your physical self, your spiritual self, your relationships, your social network, all those things. And so the idea that I found that works best for me and is finding to work for other people is to go with the idea of building strong habits in the beginning 
and putting clear boundaries when you come, you know, from work and, and self-care and things like that first, so that instead of work, 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 and then burn yourself out, take a long rest, work, 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 burn yourself out. You have, you're consistent and you're constantly working without getting to that point of like, you know, we're done, right? Can't do it. So what it looks like is, you know, I go to bed at 9 p.m. I wake up at 7 a.m. I get a full eight hours of sleep. So I'm fully recharged for the next day. It's like the mentality of slow is smooth and smooth is fast. So I'm taking the time to make sure I eat well, I sleep well, I go to the gym, I take care of my relationships. And because I'm acting in a way that's really efficient, I have better ideas and I do things quicker with less mistakes. When you're in that mentality of work, 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 you send an email really, really quick just to get it out and you end up messing up and you have to send another email to then clean up the mis like the mistake that you made. So if you take a step back, again, put in those habits, those rituals, if you will, less mistakes, more efficiency, it's just a win-win. But it is hard to get away from like the work, 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 because that's just how we run. That's how we operate nowadays. But it's it's a great, it's a great thing if you can get to if you can get it to work for you. Absolutely. Like I'm going to say a couple of things on that. See, again, this is going to show my age a bit. But, um, <laughs> like when I grew up and somebody says hustle, we don't think of it as the way we did today. So I find it funny how some acronyms come out today and they mean something totally different than when I grew up. Now, when somebody said, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm hustling or I'm a hustler. First thing that comes to mind, you're a scammer. Really? Hustling means you're scamming. I mean, that is, wow. It right? is true, but I guess I different yeah. age, you know. Absolutely. Because, you know, when we're hustling, we're trying to get something quick, turn it, turn it over quickly. So you're going to do through any means, including scamming and manipulating, right? Maybe it wasn't intended that way, but I've never seen one person in my life until today's generation when they said that they were hustling that didn't perform some form of uh, questionable uh, action. Hmm. So amazing how things change. And I mean, I absolutely hate that word hustle because what happens is it started off as a concept that people follow and has become something that everybody says to make themselves feel good. Yeah. Right. But going, oh crap. I had a second point that I was leading into. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Yes. Cause you're, you're in terms of habits, you you know, something you're, I'm, I'm picking up on is you're just uh, discussing basically consistency, cons consistent routines. Yes. And consistent planning, you know, so you pretty, I, I'm willing to bet that, you know, everything you're doing with a minimum of two to three days ahead of time. Most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Minimum of 24 yeah. hours. I, I'm, I plan my schedule to a T. I try to stay organized, keep processes in place because again, consistency, like it doesn't have to be perfect, but so long as you're consistent, that's where the gold is, right? That's where the success is. If you, it's like, if you go to the gym for three days and then by the third day, you're like, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. You stop going and, you know, a couple of weeks later you start again. There's no point in doing it because you're not getting anything out of it. If you just do a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here. But if you were to go, okay, I'm going to go one day a week. Then a couple of days, I'm going to go again. And you just do that for consistently for weeks. Doesn't have to be amazing. It's just a baby step. You will eventually get to a place where you're doing it more and it's easier because it's a habit. Absolutely. How did, how long did it take for you to form this routine? Cause I'm sure you didn't wake up after school and said, I'm, I'm creating a, uh, routine. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of it was probably just like, again, trial by fire, like realizing what works for me and what doesn't. But honestly, a lot of it is what I call monthly audits. So I constantly audit like my schedule and how I operate and, and the way that I do things because like, for example, I know if I spend too much time on the weekend, like drinking, going out with friends, like socializing, and I don't get to do like 
the outlining, kind of like planning my schedule and doing the calendar work, that entire week will be beyond stressful because I didn't prepare myself. So now I know like going forward, like, oh, I can't do it that way. I have to give myself time before I actually enjoy myself so that I can fully enjoy the weekend and not be stressing come Monday morning. But I'm still learning. Like just this past week, I actually hired my first audio editor for my podcast, which is amazing. But that's a whole nother process that I need to put into place. So that's going to, you know, this next couple of weeks, I'm going to be auditing myself to see what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Trial and error tracking. Yeah, yep. I love how you said that you track everything. Yep. And see, through planning, you can just let go on the weekends when you do spend time. You're not focused on what you didn't do. Yeah. Right. So it's stress relief. A lot of times people say, I don't have time. No, no. It's not that you don't have time. You don't have a plan. Yeah. Right. And that's what it comes down to. Everybody has the same 24 hours in a day. So how come some people in 24 hours say, I can't do everything. I'm running out of time. And other people tend to get three to four times the amount done that other people don't. Yeah. A lot of it is, is mentality. A lot of it is planning. And I think the thing too to mention is that not everyone can plan and organize in the same exact way. So, right. Everyone says, oh, you have to like put everything in a color coordinate calendar and like write up this list and stuff like, no, no, if that's not working for you, find something that does. There are plenty of resources out there that can help you kind of curtail your life in a way that works for you. And honestly, tip, like if you're stressed and don't have time, hire someone to help. You don't have to pay a full-time employee. You do not have to do anything like that. But like, you know, if you're a busy mom and you've got a lot going on, hire a, hire a babysitter for two hours for the week. How If that could save you your sanity, what would, what would that cost you? Honestly, if I hire an admin for two hours every week, that costs, that saves me two hours of my time. You know how valuable that is? I'm sure for you too, as a real estate agent, you have like, you know, you're limited on time, especially when deals are going, you know, closing fast, you have all these closing costs, dealing with different people, like it pays to pay people sometimes to do it right. So you get, you know, your life back. It's point absolutely, living. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like you're hundred percent right. And that's something I believe, like one of the things I work for is to buy time. Yep. And the one thing you can never get back or buy is time. So I'm kind of contradicting myself here, right? <laughs> so now here's what I mean by that. This is the way I look at it. You can't get back the lost time, but by being efficient, you can create more free time to do what you want. Mm -hmm. So in essence, if a typical person has to work 40 hours a week or more, that means they have 40, they're, they're trading their time for money. Now what ends up happening is you lose out on what you want to do because you're too busy trying to trade time. Yeah. But if you plan and you can shorten your work week, that gives you more time to put into stuff that does, you know, attract you and, and the stuff you do want to do, whether it's hanging out with friends, going on vacation, whether it's uh, learning new things, whatever it is that floats your boat, it gives you that opportunity. You can't create, bring yourself back to 20, but you can have the next 20 years be better than the last 20 years. Right. And that's Definitely what I mean by, by time. Definitely. Yeah. I'm finding out more and more. My time is so valuable. And I like, what is the point of hustling so hard, working so hard if you're not enjoying what you're doing? Like you're going to, you know, it's, what's the point? Also you create better and you enjoy your week better if you're actually like doing things that bring you joy. So like, if you don't make time for that, again, what is the point of living to make money? Then what you're saving your money for a rainy day? Then what? Not that you should blow all your money, right? You want to like be financially stable or whatever that means for you to be secure, but still like, 
constantly checking in with yourself and seeing, okay, does this actually bring me joy? Do I actually enjoy this? Like, oh, this doesn't feel good. Will help you to navigate and figure out what works for you in your life and how you can make it better. Absolutely. I've never heard anybody on their deathbed saying, if I only worked an extra 10 hours. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. I mean, I'm exactly the same way now, not to beat the habit and schedule to death, but one last question in terms of that, what is your morning routine like? So it's funny you ask that because I'm doing another audit quote unquote of like what that looks like for me. So one thing in particular is I am getting into the habit again. I want the eight hours of sleep. So I, I set my alarm at seven. I used to wake up at like crazy hours, like 4.45, like 5 a.m. right to get those extra hours in before everyone's up. But I realized it doesn't, you know, it doesn't work for me. So this part of my life, this chapter, I wake up at seven, I get up, get ready, shower, all the things, hit, you know, hit it hard in the morning from until like 12 p.m., take a break, go outside, sit in the sun, read a book, do things that bring me joy, watercolor, whatever it is you know, watching TikTok, something stupid, YouTube videos. (laughs) And then I get back on after lunch around maybe two or 3 PM when I get my second win and finish up the day, you know, around five, I really, I really try to stick within that. So at least I get like time for myself and I'm working when I have my most efficient times, which everyone has to find their time that works for them. Some people are morning people, night people, like in betweeners. So that's, that's a really important thing. 100%. I agree with you. Like I, I'm, I'm the same way. Like I have my alarm clock set to seven. Mm-hmm. It rarely wakes me up. I usually wake up before <laughs> that, um, which is ironic because I started off in the nightclub business. So I used to get home at the time I'm waking up, let alone waking up at that time. That's so funny. <laughs> Was it so, hard for you to like, like to change your sleep patterns and kind of like the way that you view things? Cause you went from being a night owl to like basically a morning person. Yeah. It took a very long time to convert. It was not uh, instantly, um, but it started off from waking up at 11 or sometimes 3 p.m. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to all of a sudden, my routine would be 9 a.m., 10 a.m., something like that. Then 10 became 9, then 9 became 8. And then I started waking up naturally around 7.30. Now I've been forcing myself to be uh, up by 7, but I've been doing it naturally. Since I put it in my head, have to be up by 7, it's natural. And I'm the same way as you. I break up my timetable. Like I pretty much, I wake up, my morning routine is I'm up. We'll say the average is seven. Forget when I wake up extra early. Um, We'll say the average is seven. You know, you get up seven o'clock, get ready. I'm uh, out the door to grab my morning coffee and and bagel by 730, 745. I'm, uh, I mean, during COVID to bring it home because you're not sitting in the restaurant, obviously, or coffee shop. So I'll bring it home. I'll have my uh, bagel and my coffee done by 815, 830. Um, And during that, well, I'm done eating by that time, but I'm usually listening to a podcast until about 10 to 9 and 10 to 9 I kind of pack up everything get ready to start working by nine o'clock I'm on the computer sending out my replies and emails and everything I have to do then I usually do between 10 and 12 I do all my online media stuff have it programmed set out by 12 I take my uh, lunch and somewhere between 12 and 1 and at that point in time when the gyms were open I would go to the gym between 1 to 145 then two o'clock, I get that second win. So about two o'clock, I come back, finish, uh, you know, finish my phone calls and everything. I'd be make my phone calls between two and four. Then at four p.m., I'd kind of get ready for the evening and whatever else, whether I had showings, appointments, whether I'm relaxing or preparing for the next day, whatever it is. So that's pretty much my routine. 
And obviously that fluctuates based on customers. Oh, of course. But I actually like the idea that you go to the gym during the day because you probably don't have to worry about like the rush of people at like 5 p.m., which is like sometimes such a nightmare. I'm like, why don't I, why don't I even come? Like this is, this is not productive. <laughs> yeah, I used to do, try to do it in the morning. But what that became a very inconsistent failure, should I say? Yeah, I scream. Um, it's one of those things that you get up and all of a sudden you feel beat up. You go to the gym, you're doing everything half-assed because you want to get out of there because you're yeah. so beat up. Mm-hmm. Now, by the time you've done it half-assed and you can get to get out, you're wide awake. So you didn't get a good workout and you can no longer go back to bed. So it was sort of kind of, kind of a waste of time all around, yeah. right? Because you have to fight to do it. Yeah. Um, another time <laughs> I used to have a routine where I went at 10 o'clock, but that ruins, per, you know, productivity because, you know, your most active hours are between nine and 12. Yeah. Right. So that wasn't a good idea. Now I'm going to eat lunch at 12 to 1245, 1230. And at that point in time, once you eat, I don't know about you, but the last time I ate and wanted to go back to work wasn't exactly, uh, <laughs> you know, my first choice. So I figured no. <laughs> watching TV is not going to be productive. Hanging around contemplating is not going to be productive. So why not go to the gym? I go to the gym. At least I'm distracting myself from what I don't want to do. And by the time I'm done the gym, I'm back into my mindset of getting back. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, exactly. And it's habits and routine, like you said. Yeah. Now COVID's kind of screwed up my routine because <laughs> obvious reasons, open, closed, open, closed, open, closed. And I mean, we're starting to open up and slowly now we should be open in the next couple of weeks. And I'm hoping this time is the last one. Yeah, I know. Right there with you. <laughs> yeah. So ready. Like if I don't hear the word COVID again, I swear I will pray every day. <laughs> and, 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 and just show my gratitude. I'm just so sick of even hearing the word. Yeah. <laughs> but it is what it is. We all went through this. We all went through challenges. We all, some of us, probably, you know, gained things from it. You know yeah. what I mean? Hey, I got benefits out of it and I've got downsides from it too. Totally. So yeah. It is what it is. So, yeah, like in terms of, uh, I noticed you're very into investing. Getting there. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I, especially for a lot of women that I've spoken to recently as I've developed the adulting manual, what I'm finding more and more is that we, a lot of younger people, not even women, just younger people in general, unless their parents like specifically told them, this is how you save money. This is how you budget. This is how you do all this. They don't know. They don't know what books to read, which books not to, you know, to avoid. Like, you know, um, I know people who they think, I even thought this when I was younger, that in order to invest to even be on the grid, you had to like hire some fancy broker at some fancy brokerage, right? And you had to spend tens of millions of dollars that I didn't have. But meanwhile, the reality is in today's world, we have apps like Robinhood, Stash, um, uh, Acorns. Yeah, there's so many of, I mean, you can even go to major ones. They have TD Bank that has TD Ameritrade that has their own app. Charles Schwab, which is like fancy, right? They have their own app where you can actually buy stocks or part of stocks. You don't even have to buy a full stock. You can spend $5 and buy part of a stock and be in the game on a, in an Apple, an Amazon, a Walmart, whatever it is. And you're starting your journey, even if it's on a small scale, because that'll grow over time as it compounds. So that has been a huge game changer. And that has been kind of where I've been helping a lot of younger people, myself included. That's where I started. And so 
you know, the other things to touch on too is like, you know, what's a 401k? Like when I started my first corporate job, you know, I was hired and they were like, oh, you can add a, you could do a 401k if you want. I was like, well, what's that? And they didn't really answer it. So I was like, I guess I don't need it. So I didn't actually start my 401k until I was at a new job at like 26 or something. So like there could have been those four years when I was working that I could have been accruing money, but I didn't know about it. Same thing with the Roth IRA. So all these things are pieces that I incorporate in the adulting manual and have helped people kind of on their journey of just like, let's just get started, right? Let's just find a, find a foundational starting place. Right. Now for Canadians, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the 401k is pretty much similar to an RSP. Is it kind of the same guidelines of like, when you get paid, you kind of get a chunk that's taken out and the company matches? Um, there's options there. That depends on the company and their benefit options, but there's options to do it on your own or within the company. Again, depends on the company. Okay. So there there cool. are some that match and there are some that don't. Um, different regulations. Uh, we get, uh, when we deposit into our RSPs, we actually get it deducted from our taxes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So there's a, it's, it's, there's a percentage. We have a, a cap on how much we can do per year. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll take an example. Pretend you're making 60K. On 60K, our taxes are going to be roughly about 25000 but we're allowed to contribute. We'll say, I'm going to give in round numbers here, 12 K towards that RSP. So what ends up happening is a percentage of that gets written off the 60 K and you're taxed at the lower amount. So, which basically means you were overtaxed from employment. So you end up getting some of that money back oh, that's usually between 30 to 50% of, wow. of the money, uh, of the money you put in. Like if you put in the 12 K, you might get back three K, four K, something like that. And, and what you can choose to reinvest but the, the the downside is the idea of the RSP is that once you retire, you don't have that income anymore. So you withdraw from that and you're withdrawing at a lower tax rate. So instead of paying your 30% or yeah. 40% because your income isn't the same, now withdrawing at 10 to 15%. So you're paying half the tax on the same money. That's yeah. the intent of it. And in a way, it's like a forced savings as well. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of, it's very similar to how it is in the States. Um, I, I don't know if it exists, but it, I didn't take care you know, do it in the way that you got taxed at a lower percentage by the amount of money that you put in. So I don't know if I'm missing something or that doesn't exist for us, but we do have the same thing of like, it's non-taxable when you put the money in, but when you take it out, you get taxed. So, you know, yeah, again, it's similar, right? There's minor little things here. You know what it is? We have different tax levels, right? I'm not sure. Right. And what happens is the money you take out because our employers deduct taxes from your pay. You don't pay it at the end of the year. It's constantly deducted. And that's where you tabulate. Did you over contribute? Did you under contribute? That's where you pay the difference. Now, when you deposit into that RRSP, it brings you your income down. So chances are it brought it down to the lower tax rate, which basically means you've overpaid. And that's how the refund comes in. Still awesome to get a refund check. Like it's, I feel like that was one of the coolest, well, right? It stinks because you're paying taxes. Like when I first got my my first paycheck and saw the amount that came out with taxes, I was like, is this a joke? Like no one told me about this. But then when you get the, the you know, the refund, the next, you know, the next cycle basically for that year, it's pretty cool. You're like, wow, I got this chunk of change. Like, I mean, when I was younger, I'd spend it on stupid things, but now it's like, you know, I'll just reinvest it again or put it in a savings account or something like that. Absolutely. Here's the other point, right? Going to what you just said, right? When you're younger, you did stupid things, right? And, and I think everybody does that, right? Like <laughs> it, it's your system. <laughs> Honest to God, let, let's face it. These iPhones, n- there will never be any sales if people were following things from, you know, 
from a younger age. Like, no, a 22 year old isn't going to, you know, get out of school and have a thousand bucks for a phone. So really what they're doing is they're buying their iPhone in lieu of their investment. Not always, but for the most part. Yeah. So where I'm going with this is that we all did it. I mean, I'm just using the iPhone as an example. There's other stuff. I mean, I, I, when I got out of school, I was in the DJing, right? I was in the nightclub business. I was buying records, you know what I mean? Like, and I was buying them $500 at a time. Oh, wow. I didn't realize they were that expensive. Damn. Yeah. Well, I bought a lot of them, I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> but you see what I mean? Like I could have still did the job and not spend as much. Yeah. Right. But I had to have everything, but not most people don't have everything. So it was just the way it is. And then, but that was my passion. That was my joy. You know, like, and, that, and that's what I got in. I didn't think of investing. I said, I'll do that when I get this. I'll do that. You know, so I'll do it when. And I'm sure you started off at that point as well, because most people do. How did yeah. you break that? I'll do it when. When did, when did it click in that the time is now? I need to do this. I can't wait anymore. Honestly, it was one of my jobs. I worked for a UK company and they paid on a monthly basis. So this was like, you know, I really, really had to be stingy with my money because if I ran out before the end of the month, I literally had nothing. So that really forced me to get really serious about my money. But honestly, it started with budgeting. So the big thing with money is you just got to start somewhere. You're not going to know all about investing or budgeting or income tax. Like, you're just not, right? You have to, It takes time and nurturing and knowledge. And so for me, it was the pivotal moment of like making change was again, that pain point of like, I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't have money. You know, I can't just do something that's irrational or legal. Like I have to actually figure this out and like manage my poor spending too. I got to work with what I have. So that started off with just budgeting. I would write down every little bit that I spent in a spreadsheet. And even though it didn't help with my spending at that moment, it was giving me an insight of like, okay, I could maybe find, I don't have to go to Marshall's or Macy's and buy this thing. I didn't need it, right? I'm not going to use it in the future. It's a short-term gain. I don't need that. Or like maybe I could find something that's on sale at the supermarket versus buying the, you know, the prime price of whatever it is. So little things like that helped over time. And so as I was doing more research and kind of figuring out what worked for me and my circumstances changed with how I was getting paid and, and all of that, again, starting little $5 in the bank every month. That's how I started. Then I built up, okay, I can do $20 this month because it's in my budget. Again, little by little, like you think you need thousands and thousands of dollars and you have to have it all figured out when like you don't, you really, really don't. Right. Now I got a question. Like I'm a big, big fan and follower of Dave Ramsey, right? With the whole baby steps and everything. Mm -hmm. So now he, his advice is you take 15% of your income and you invest that. Do you have a formula of how much you put away or is it just sort of week to week varies? So I actually right now presently because I'm a business owner, my budget is kind of like little out of whack because I'm trying to, again, like audit and figure out what works for me and I'm hiring people and moving things around. So right now my budget is a little crazy. But when I was on payroll and I knew I was getting paid the same amount every two weeks, I actually created an automated budgeting system. So I knew I like sent how much I was going to put in there. And I think it was, maybe it was about like 15 or 20%, but that was like, at some points I found that it was too much of a strain. So I ended up pulling back a little, like, again, taking audits of like, this makes me really, really uncomfortable. Is this a good pain or is this a pain that's like actually putting you in the dirt? Cause the, the whole point is not to do it, to put yourself under, it's to, to help you. Right. Cause it's a future thing that you're going to gain from investing now. So yeah, I, I would start, 
again, you want to evaluate how much you're spending. I think that the the way that it works is like 30% of your income is like your electricity, your rent, like the basics. Then you go to like, you know, your auto bill, your student loans, like stuff like that. So I really like the Dave Ramsey one, but that's not the only way. It's really no, take that not. as the basis, but like, then again, tweak it like month to month, see what works, what's not working. Like where, Absolutely. where do I want to make a, some extra money to put towards that? That was another thing. I found gigs for babysitting, dog walking. I mean, anything you can think of, I probably did it. <laughs> like I, cleaned. I did housekeeping for a little bit, anything to get extra money to put into my savings. So if I felt like I was a little too tight, just based on my salary, at least that extra money was going towards me. I paid myself first from with that. Yeah, I agree with you. That's a great concept. Like even myself, like I said, I followed the Dave Ramsey thing with the exception of credit cards. I do have credit cards and line of credit. Now they're all a zero balance. And I, other than for my corporation, I don't use any credit cards. Why I have them, I just don't want to give them up, I guess. But well, it, it's, it's a good safety thing, right? God forbid, you know, you had an emergency. I mean, there have been times where like, not personally, but I know a friend who like, she was driving kind of long distance. It was like a three hour drive to, she was going like away upstate or something and she got a flat tire. And so that wasn't in her budget to spend money on a new tire and like the tow company and like that whole nightmare of a thing. So she had to use a credit card to pay for it. So in that moment, why, why would you freak out? I mean, obviously it's an expense that you, an expense that you have to pay for and figure out later on, but like, that is an awesome tool to use in a moment of like emergency. If you don't have an emergency fund, it's a great tool. Right. Well, that's the other thing. Sometimes it's accessibility. Like yes. especially now during COVID, you're not going anywhere. You're not paying with cash for anything. People don't want it. Yeah. At least in Canada, like we go there and we, we, we actually go to places and they have signs, please use your debit or credit card. They don't want cash. Wow. It's yeah. It's Okay. It was more in the beginning than now because people didn't know what they were getting into, right? It was this one big mess. They just knew people were getting sick and dying and nobody knew why or what it was about. Mm -hmm. I mean, now that there's more research, there's more uh, information, right? Things are a little bit different, but imagine going through that. So now you're ordering through Amazon. It's a little bit of a pain in the butt. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, I just, I support local business too, for the record, but, you know, of when course. I can, but not everything is available. So it is what it is. I mean, it's like I said, like, so I find it very, very convenient. I mean, it is true when you're using credit card, you will spend a little more than normal. Definitely. definitely. I think we've all put ourselves in holes with credit cards before, right? But that's a life lesson. Yeah. That's a life lesson that you'll take with you forever. And hopefully you won't do the same exact thing. Or if you do, you have a plan, a, you know, a fix to like, this is how I'm going to pay it off. Or like, this is how I'm going to leverage using it, right? Because the benefit of credit cards too, that some people kind of don't talk about is, Let's say, like, for example, I have a travel card. And so whenever I use, like, spend anything on it, I get points for it. So I'll actually use it as, a, like, a, a tool. So I know I have that X amount of money in the bank that I can pay for this thing. But I'll swipe my credit card, immediately pay the card, and then I get all the points. So I accrue them through the year. And then when Christmas or, you know, Hanukkah comes around, I just use my, my points to buy gifts. Like, that's great. That's a gift to myself for Christmas that I can spend money without actually spending money. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now we all get into business because we're not happy doing what we were doing and we have a vision. Now, obviously we have some form of uh, our vision is some form of success and it varies with everyone. Like what I think is successful may not be the same thing uh, that you think of success and, and everyone's different. Sometimes even what we, where we start, like, for example, I say having a million dollars in the bank, that makes me successful. Then you get the million bucks and you go, mm, I don't feel successful. <laughs> right. So everybody's different. What's your definition of success? 
And how did you come up with that, like that theory or thought? Like what, what, why is that your theory basically? I'm glad you brought that up because my version of success has completely changed over the past couple of years. So I was in the corporate world. I was kind of working up that ladder. I got the fancy brownstone apartment, right? Like checked all the boxes to what someone on the outside would probably think is successful, but I wasn't happy. I didn't feel fulfilled. I didn't feel like I didn't want to go to my job. I didn't like sitting in an office all day. So to me, I had to really take a big like a glance at this and say, okay, what are the aspects of this that I love? And what are the aspects of it that like literally make me cry or cringe because I just don't like it. And so I had to completely unravel what success was for me. And so the, the, key things that came out to me was I need to have impact in my day-to-day work. So that could be in the way of, you know, uh, supporting local businesses. It could be volunteer work, giving back to charity. It could be like the adulting manual. I'm impacting people to make better decisions and be successful as they, as they grow into adulthood. And the other thing too, is I really wanted flexibility. I have parents, um, uh, who live not too far away from me. But when I was in the city, it was really difficult for me to get there. I have a grandmother, she's 92. Like I want to be able to see her. And when I was working a full-time job and corporate hours away, I couldn't see her as much yet. I know she's limited on this time on earth and I want to be with her. So for me, my business or whatever it is that I do, I need to have flexibility in where I can go, what I can do so that I can really enjoy my life. Whether I want to hang out at my parents' house in Florida or I want to go visit my aunts and uncles in New York City. Like, you know, I want balance so that I can bring more joy um, in my life. And that looked like online business to me. So that's kind of where I am. But the other thing to mention too is, again, going back to creating habit over hustle, like I really wanted to have a business or work in an environment in a life that had flexibility in its way of like, I knew I could get my nine hours of sleep and still kill it in business. I wanted to be able to make an impact while still like practicing like my self-care habits, getting a good meal in and working out. Like if I hit all those things and I know I'm successful regardless of how much money I make. 100% agree with you on that. I mean, and I've experienced these things firsthand, right? I'll tell you something that, uh, you know, I usually don't share, but I'm going to share it now. Um, what happens, I've experienced both sides of the fence. And here's the difference. And I'll give you an example because everyone, we initially grow up thinking success is income. Yeah. And yeah. you know, everyone's striving for seven zeros, right? Well, at my peak of one of my businesses, I hit eight zeros. Wow. That's very impressive. But I was the most miserable person you will ever meet. My, I, I it got to the point that I sold the business. For one purpose, I had issues. And every time I had an issue, I would rather say F off than to deal with the issue. It's a big, it's a big red flag. If you don't, yeah, you, know. you know what I mean? But the <laughs> thing is, a lot of times, because there's a lot of scams. Yeah. And you got, you get, eventually you get fed up of being kicked around, right? Of people taking advantage. But mm-hmm. the problem is I couldn't see. I got so fed up and I got so stressed out and I was so miserable that I couldn't see a genuine issue. Everything was always a stab at me. So one day I just turned around and said, this is not for me anymore. Right. Like you said, the the signs are there. Yeah. Right. And income alone is not enough to stick. So I I happened to get an offer by accident on the, on it. I took it. I said, I'm out of here. I'm done. And, but I've also been on the other side where you get paid the hundred bucks and you have to choose between paying your bill or eating dinner. Yeah. 
right? And I can tell you that was more stressful, but I wasn't as miserable as the other. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And I think there's a difference between not being stressed and being happy. You know what I mean? Like you can still not be stressed, but miserable and you could be stressed and happy. Yeah. The balance, obviously the middle is the better ground, but that's hard to achieve all the time. Yeah. Right. So, and that's what you got to work towards. So going to what you were saying, it's got to be beyond the check. Your, your, your definition of success. It's more than that. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. So and it I took mean, me a long time. It took me a long time to learn this because I'll tell you now I'm, I'm, I'm in my, I'm, I'm Oh God, how old am I now? I'm 44. <laughs> right. And it was not until my late thirties. Did I uh, register this because trust me, I would have sold your stuff if it meant I made more money, let alone my own. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like anything for that buck. I chased it and chased it and chased it, whatever it took. But again, miserable. I, you know, I, my, my own family, like one of my uh, family members said to me, he goes, people would kill to be in your position. But meanwhile, my phone ring. I'm, I'm, I, I, one year, I gave the phone company almost $30,000 because I kept smashing my phone from the stress. <laughs> oh, my God. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like it, it was terrible. But, again, it was life choices. But as I was chasing the money, and to me, that was more important. I'd give up friends. I'd give up anybody. But you know what I mean? We have plans. I can make a 1000 bucks. We don't have plans anymore. See ya. Right? That's the way it was. Didn't know mm-hmm. any better. Yeah. Right. So I'm looking at that and I'm going, how in the world can I be in this spot that I could do whatever the heck I want, however I want it, whenever I want it. And I just want to curl up in a ball and stay in bed. How is this possible? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Again, life yeah. lessons. There's something beyond that. Yeah. And sometimes those you know, kind of what happened with you and ha- what happened with me, that cannot be learned. It's something that it can only be experienced. So, you know, we can give all the advice in the world, just like you can lead a horse to water, you can't make him drink it. So especially as a parent, right? You tell your kid, like, these are the things you should and shouldn't do. Doesn't mean they're going to listen. So they're going to have to like mess up and figure it out for themselves for it to really, really hit home and for them to really, really get it. I agree with you. I absolutely, absolutely agree with you. So, We've discussed success. We've discussed financing. Um, What about your podcast? I want to know more about that. How did that come about? Oh, my podcast, my baby. That has been probably the most fun thing I've done maybe to date. It was unexpected, unplanned, and it just kind of happened. But so naturally, because I quit corporate, corporate quitter, the podcast, you know, kind of existed. It was there. So um, I basically interview people who are entrepreneurs or side hustlers. They share their stories and kind of takeaways and and actionable steps that listeners can take with them on their journey. So the adulting manual, my main business focuses on the life lessons, whereas the corporate quitter podcast focuses on like the business lessons, tangible lessons that people can use in their everyday lives, whether they're working for a job or they're you know, running the show on their, you know, on their own. So it's been so much fun. I've been connected with so many amazing people like you. Like it's so great that we found each other a matchmaker because I found so many guests, like amazing, amazing guests with great stories to be on the show from that. Absolutely. Now, even when you get a guest, right? Cause I mean, people reach out, I'm sure. How do you determine yeah. <laughs> who you, who like, 
I'm trying to be delicate with this. <laughs> How do you determine who you should interview and who you should not? I, it's hard because part of it is gut feeling, which like, I don't know if that's a tangible, like I can't say into words, like, you know, I just know from, from someone who, if they approach me and they're like, Hey, I'd love to be on your show. Like you're not offering me anything of use by just saying you want to be on my show. Like, what is it that you can offer my listeners? How can you help me? Right. You're not, that's not helpful by just saying, I want to be on the show. That's great. I want to be on the show. I want to be on today and you know, USA today. I want to be on like American Idol. Like that doesn't help. So when it comes to people pitching me, A, I go by gut feeling, but also like if they send me a message that says like, this is kind of what I do. This is my story. These are some awesome points that I would love to share with your guests. I've done my research. I know that this is kind of what they're looking for. Then I'm like, okay, this person, half the battle is won because this person has done their research. They know what my target demographic is looking for. So now it's just really coming about like strategizing and putting the pieces together and finalizing questions. Absolutely. I love it. Absolutely love that. <laughs> and I agree with you. Yeah, you have that gut feeling. Sometimes I open up and go, oh God. Yeah. Right. Like another time you open up and you're like, hmm. Right. And then as you investigate and you look and you start going, ooh, I think this would be very beneficial. So also I see the way the lingo. This is what I what I find. And I don't know about you, but I find sometimes the language people use is kind of a giveaway. Right. Like it's like. When people are boasting about themselves, right away that tells you you're just trying to get on just to get expose yourself to whoever is listening. Yeah. But you have no value or care to add value. It's all about I, 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 I. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and and just language can tell the difference. Definitely. In the beginning, I was more about like I just need people, right? Because I was new. I didn't have any the credibility, no exposure, like literally no listeners yet. And now that you know, it's kind of taking off I'm in like 15 countries now. Like it's, it's, get, it's going really, really well. Obviously there are more people who are coming in, but it's cool because now I'm getting more people who actually have value and can actually for it's kind of like, I'll just take anyone who comes through the door type of thing. No, I get it. I get it. Absolutely. And yeah, like I got a proud accomplishment in the last couple of weeks. I was notified that I made the top 150 in iTunes. I'm like, oh my God, that's so awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Still cool. Still, you know, like every little win, especially as uh, like a business owner or podcast host, like, you know, it's, it's, it's remarkable to see that, right. The little guys, if you will, you know, I'm not a celebrity. Like I don't, you know, it's still really cool that we're able to make these impacts and touch so many lives just by being here. Right. Yes, Exactly. I mean, like personally, I love doing this and I love how I can educate people and and help them and also interview other people who have done things that can be like, you know, helpful to other people. And, and it's sort of like my goal is to be inspirational and, and to guide. Right. So, yeah. And I love the opportunity. Like what a great platform. Yeah. So, yeah. And I got to say, I love your, your, uh, your podcast name. That oh, is thank phenomenal. you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, me too. <laughs> came, <laughs> came at the perfect time. Absolutely. So we're hitting the 55 mark and I don't want to take too much of your time. So I want to ask you what uh, we're going to get into one major question, then just a couple of uh, interesting questions. Sure. So one, one thing is what would advice would you give to anybody, you know, just graduating and look and searching for whatever in their life? Like, what would be one tip of advice for new graduates that you would give? That's what I'm trying to say. 
experiment as much as you can. So experiment in your job search and what you find, you know, that's interesting to you, uh, who you date, who you hang out with, like push, push yourself and do things that you wouldn't normally do so that you find out, okay, this really works for me. You're like, oh, I didn't know that I really like that. Because if you follow the breadcrumbs of like what you have an interest in or what really excites you, you'll find later on in life, like every single thing that you've touched on will come together in one whole piece to formulate like your perfect career or your perfect friend group or like whatever it is. So experiment as much as possible. Awesome. So now a couple of fun questions. What is your favorite book and what inspired you about it? I, the one that came like jumped at me immediately was you are a badass by Jen Sincero. I've read that book maybe six or seven times. That was my first help like self-help book when I was maybe like 22, 23. And so the reason why I loved it so much is because she teaches a lot about mindset, how like if your mind is in the right place, you can do and achieve anything. And it might not happen tomorrow, it might not happen next year, but it will happen. And so the wild thing is when I was younger, I was reading and I was like, oh, this is kind of like, you know, I love it, but like, I don't really know what I'm going to get out of it. And now here I am six years later, I've read it almost every single year for the past six years. I can look back and see, like vision boards I've made, diaries I've written to see like the things that I was hoping and wanting for. And because of the tools outlined in that book, I've created more than what I thought I could back then that I was hoping for. So it's just, it's been really awesome to see that. Awesome. That's actually on my uh, to-do list as well. I haven't gotten to it yet, um, but uh, it was on my list. She's great. Yeah. In terms of favorite vacation spot and why? favorite vacation spot that's a really tough one because there's so many places that i have yet to visit but um okay okay you can even <laughs> change it to be what's the next vacation you want to take like what is on your top of of go-to's and why i really want to go to thailand because i discovered scuba diving a couple years ago on a solo trip to the dominican republic and it was just like life-changing to see kind of life under under the water and like experience that type of you know, adventure. So Thailand has supposed to have really, really great dive sites. So I really want to go there. Awesome. So last question, what is your favorite movie or podcast and why? Also a tough one. <laughs> There's so <laughs> many good ones, but I have to say my, my favorite podcast is probably Right now, I would say probably Design Your Dream Life by Natalie Bacon. So she was the person who actually got me started in online business. She teaches kind of like all the beginning lessons on like how to create a WordPress site, like how to even find your niche, like things like that. So she she was really, really helpful. So yeah, let's say that one. That's freaking awesome. Thanks. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you again for being on the show. I mean, very delightful, very informative. And, you know, we got to... Uh, formally meet on video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. Absolute pleasure. And we have to do it again sometime. Yeah.